My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Simon Godek, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Hey. You, you are speaking to me from Sao Paulo, Brazil. From Sao Paulo, yes. So let's just get this right. You're German, you grew up a little bit in Germany, then you grew up some more in the Netherlands, and then you moved to Brazil. Yeah, kind of. There was some three years of Iceland in between, heavier Vietnam. There was uh, two, three years of Africa. But yeah, it sums it up. So I'm a globetrotter, but now I ended up in Brazil. Iceland? Iceland. I did my PhD in Iceland. So <laughs> yeah, quite, quite nice. Niceland, that's what we call it. I'm so jealous. What is Iceland like? Uh, less icy than you think. Um, the interior during the winter super icy, of course, but the coast is less icy. And there are no trees, there are hardly, there are hardly any trees in Iceland. So that's what got me back to Central Europe. Because life without trees and forests, to me, was, was just crazy. You miss the trees. I never thought about missing trees one day. But there, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to have trees. Um, but it's, it's, it's different. I mean, it's, uh, it's very different. It's very nice. Uh, as in the countryside, the sceneries, the glaciers, the volcanoes, like hot lakes, they're lakes which are just hot. You just take a swim in lakes which are uh, 30 degrees. So it's, it's an experience. Um, the beer price is also an experience. But <laughs> for the rest, um, I enjoyed the time there, but I also enjoyed leaving. Why did you go to Brazil? Um, because of COVID, like not because of COVID. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind COVID uh, because of the political situation in the Netherlands. It got very tough. And uh, so I, I lost my job at the university for speaking out and things got tougher and tougher and we were not allowed to demonstrate anymore. To, the opinion was not appreciated. And yeah, I thought the, the shit was hitting the fan. It's, it is hitting the fan not as heavily as I thought, but still I was, I was just going to Brazil in order to uh, continue living my life. What is COVID-1984 like in Brazil? Oh, well, um, so people here don't get tested. So, I mean, I always said in Holland, the test is the past, but people don't get tested here because nobody can afford the test. But like people can, but the majority can't. Um, but people wear masks, masks. So if you go to the on the street, just like in the countryside, it's less severe. But just like here in Sao Paulo, uh, 99% of the people wear masks on the street outside. Even when they go for a jog in the park alone, they wear masks. And I don't. I mean, uh, I don't. Many people um, don't mind. So I know in several European countries like Germany, they would talk to you like, what do you do, etc. But here they they appreciate my freedom. But whenever I'm in an elevator or something like that, they get scared and mad eventually. That put them at risk. Um, but I generally ask them about yeah, whether they had, um, like, whether they did an HIV test or ask them when the last check, whether they're hemorrhoids, etc. You know, 
Um, so when you ask them private questions back, because it's not their, it's not their thing. If I were mask or with a mask, the, the talk usually goes like that. Hey, I think you forget, you forgot to wear your mask. I'm like, no, I don't wear a mask. Are you vaccinated? Then I ask like, did you, did you, did you check? Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's always something. Um, so people usually then leave me alone. Um, but yeah, they're very much afraid and the media here, um, it's global, hedgy global. It's just like the CNN of Brazil and they're fearmongers. Um, and they tell people that Omicron is much worse than what we had before. So they're, they're just like lying. People are afraid. Even my neighbors, even my neighbors are super afraid. They, they wear the mask when they're on the, when they're on their car alone, <laughs> alone in their car, they disinfect all of the groceries. So they do groceries. And then whenever they get at home, they spray it with alcohol, disinfect the groceries because they think there might be some germs on there that might kill them. So, I mean, they're afraid, but still over here, um, your opinion is more, um, yeah, it's more appreciated than many other countries in Europe. You do have probably the best president in the world. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too much pro Bolsonaro because I think <laughs> he, he, he loves making racist and sexist comments. And, uh, but regarding regarding COVID itself, I think he's very based. He's he's just like saying the truth, you know. And the country have Lula, who accuses Bolsonaro of committing the biggest genocide of South America ever, or something like this. And you probably forgot the Inquisition. Um, so I think, um, yeah, one has to be careful whom to trust and not to trust. I mean, I don't know anymore, but I know that Bolsonaro probably is not the worst when it comes to COVID-1984. What is your background? Um, I'm a biotechnologist. So I had my master's in water technology, my PhD in biotechnology, focused on system thinking, system dynamics and aquaponics. So it's growing vegetables and fish in a complex system. And within this domain, I, um, yeah, I was working a lot with the metabolism of fish. Um, so what's happening inside the fish, what happens after he eats, what happens, what goes out, you know, afterwards. So via that, I got into the metabolism of the human being and I was like, okay, hey, what I can do for the fish, I can, I can, I can do for us. And I tried to understand our body, um, our hormone pathway and I ended up with vitamin D. So I'm, I'm publishing on vitamin D and gut health also. And I think this is super interesting. And that's how I got into COVID um, because I didn't mind in the beginning. I, I just didn't mind. I was like, uh, when they started talking about COVID and I saw the videos from China, like people dropping on the street, but still like, you know, catching themselves up. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what idiots, you know, and you're not going to fall for that. So when they, when they started the panic in March, 2020, and uh, all the airlines stopped flying and all the and the you know the um, um, the course of the of, of, of the airlines it was it was super cheap to, to buy to buy shares and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna buy shares now for a little time like KLM because in August it's over I mean we have seasonality it's gonna be over in August and uh, and I will share for double triple oh, mistake didn't happen um, but when I when I then figured out during the summer that they denied vitamin D and they denied seasonality, I was like, okay, something is going wrong here. 
So I wrote a publication on vitamin D and, and, and the importance in, in case of uh, viral infection and, and, and COVID as such. And I showed, look guys, there's seasonality, there's, there's, um, there's much evidence that vitamin D actually helps with all kinds of infections, so even cancer. And uh, there's, uh, there's a correlation between low, low vitamin D levels and, and diseases in general and bad health. I was publishing it in a, in a very high-ranked journal, quite high-ranked journal. I think it was a big factor of six or something. And um, yeah, people liked it, and I, I got cited a lot. And uh, and then I got attacked <laughs> for, <laughs> for for publishing for publishing with vitamin D. And uh, so it was like it was on, yeah, it was on Twitter. I didn't use social media. I was never a big social media guy because I thought like it's it's a, it's a clown show, you know. And I was on Twitter, I was, I was posting about some publication and people mm. attacked me heavily for Why? spreading misinformation about COVID. That's like vitamin D, that's like, it doesn't help. It's, they called me a high priest of vitamin D or something. And I suddenly had many shills writing uh, emails to the editor of the journal that have conflicts of interest that I was selling vitamin D. Uh, I think I never sold vitamin D in my life. I'm planning to do so, maybe, <laughs> but I never sold vitamin D in my life. And they they made up crazy stories. And uh, yeah, it ended up that uh, that there was a retraction call for uh, having conflicts of interest, and they investigated it, and they finally said, like, some you have zero conflict of interest. Like, I know. And then I thought it was over, but it wasn't. Um, because unfortunately, I was I was on Twitter. You know, Twitter is never over. And uh, after after this experience, I was like, "Hey, something is really going wrong here." I mean, the lie about vitamin D—they attacked me for telling the truth. And when I figured out that Christian Drosten, the guy you know who created the PCR test for COVID, not Kerry Mullis, the one who created for COVID, the German guy Christian Drosten, um, when I figured out. Well, like actually about the outcome I figured out and he told me and I was looking deeper into this and uh, yeah, so we figured out that it took a maximum 24 hours from submission of his PCR paper this can be it's impossible I'm an editor of a journal myself and it takes yeah, six months nine months maybe but not 24 hours it's impossible and I was I was writing a tweet about it I was like I didn't have many followers just a handful, maybe 10 handfuls, but I didn't have many. And I was writing a thread about it. I was just like explaining why it can't be. 24 hours later, it had like 1,000 shares or, or like, and it got really viral. And I didn't, I didn't mean to. I just wanted to explain to my followers, hey, why this can't be and why this is scientific fraud. And people like this topic. So Nomi Wolf called me, hey, Simon, we need to talk. Everyone wants to talk. Everybody wants to talk uh i was like shit hey guys <laughs> I, I i didn't mean to um but yeah then i talked i spoke out and i was there with my real name on twitter uh, because i didn't think about um causing scandals and it didn't take long one day actually that my university back then Wageningen university in the netherlands got many mails about me that i'm that i'm uh yeah, talking bad about colleagues, about your famous good, like good scientists, and that I'm spreading fake news, and that I'm, that I'm, uh, yeah, 
they used they used hard harsh stuff against me so they called me pseudoscientist and i was like what the fuck like people i never i never saw they were like other virologists huh i virologists from utrecht so virologists from all over the world australia utrecht um germany they were all attacking me even even former German judges were attacking me. And I didn't know them. I, I, I didn't mean to harm anyone. They were all attacking me. They were going all in. I was reported several hundred of times that day. Uh, my university called me. Then they were like super mad at me. We need to talk. How can you talk about this person like that? I'm like, hey, guys, just read what I've wrote. Like we don't, but we, so many, we got that many emails about you, that many complaints. What the fuck did you do? I was t I was sending my threat to them and they were reading it like Simon that was quite factual <laughs> like yeah, thanks it was factual um, and they actually supported me they backed me uh, so they even published a tweet and said like a freedom of speech also counts to me and I'm, I'm free to say whatever I want and as long as factual is fine and uh, yeah then I after that I had some fact checkers um, chasing me you know the fact checkers. Who didn't check the fact? So I was I was like a fact checker finally because I didn't know about fact checkers. So I was like, finally, no, it's gonna be great. I read this article. I was like, no fucking way. So they were not checking any of the facts which I mentioned in my in my thread. They were getting it was ad hominem. They were just going against me. Mm. They could say like former vitamin D seller <laughs> publishes vitamin D publications with conflicts of interest, and they they were digging very deep. And they didn't even they didn't even care about any of the facts that was mentioned. They were just ignoring all the facts which I provided. I think it was a threat of twenty posts. And I was like, look, this happened, this happened, this happened. It can't be. They didn't care about this. So they were just kind kind of they were defaming me. And again, emails from people to my university. It didn't. It didn't. It continued. It didn't stop. So um, yeah, I had a contract there until March twenty. 21 and i was told if you get follow-up money for a follow-up project you can stay because they were happy with me so i eventually wrote applications in my free time so i was working full-time 40 hours per week and then my in my free time i was i was writing applications eu applications etc i eventually won the chance to win was one percent i think we got three million euros for this project and i was like hey guys look i got you i got you lots of funding well well simon well um we got told from from somewhere above that we can't hire you anymore. I was like, what the heck? I just got you money, you know. I got the funding. Yeah, but it's now well, it was a political reason. I was like, come on, for what? Yeah, they were not happy for you speaking out on social media. I'm like, come on, you were like backing me publicly, you know. So the people who are actually whom working with, they um, they were sad because they really liked me, but like you know, the administration mm -hmm. of the university. Uh, probably even the ministry up there, they were like, hey, don't. Because I attacked also Marion Koopmans. She was a co-author of this publication. And I asked her, like, hey, why do don't you get suspicious whenever you write a publication? The next day it's online already. And then the same day, because she was, Marion Koopmans, she was in a committee of the WHO. for, um, And she was responsible for making this PCR test gold standard. She was in this committee. So, I mean, like she was submitting a paper and the next day she already made a gold standard. And I was like, hey, guys, isn't this like kind of, isn't it weird? It's like corruption, guys. What's going on? So I was like, I was tagging Marion Copeman's. I was tagging. They had they have like a um, scientific 
um, center for they have a center for scientific integrity in the Netherlands. I was like taking them. I was taking everybody who is who's against corruption. Like, look into this case. It's like it's Captain Obvious. There's something going wrong. Nobody fucking cared. And uh, quite hilarious. Uh, like last year, um, Copmans. I think she got fired from this committee because she she got money from the Chinese Communist Party. So there were bonds with the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> so I wasn't that wrong, but I don't know what else happened because I didn't look into this. I was like, mm. oh my gosh, it's too much because otherwise I get paranoid, you know? Um, yeah, but this is what happened then. Uh, yeah. So, so was, you got... at some point it was jobless. I didn't, I didn't get any of this. I was, just, I was, first I was shocked. I, I, you know, I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. And uh, I was well, makes scared. Sense. No, I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm makes not scared sense. anymore. I don't, I don't give a shit, but I was, I mm. was, I was shocked because I was, you know, I was writing publication to help people. Mm. And I know that was telling the truth, because if you look at my publication, you see conflict of interest. It's nothing. If you read a publication of, let's say, um, Hotes, Yemi, Dasak, etc., you see like a whole list of of the money they received from Bill Gates, from Pfizer, from from Johnson Johnson. There's a whole list of conflict of interest they have, but people believe them, but they don't believe independent scientists. And this is what made me shocked. The people who attacked me all had conflict of interest. So I was like, this this can't be. This can't be. And uh, then I then I figured out the the Drosten thing. You now. And I, I was just shocked how it can, how no single journalist can, like, ask questions. Nobody's asking questions. Like, how can this be? Yeah, let's what, just, I mean, let's just, yeah, please. Let's just quickly summarize that. So, you essentially uh, are specialized in vitamin D research, which is, at the very essence, spending lots of time in the sun, walking your dogs on the beach, you know, being healthy, which, of course. Being healthy. The, yes <laughs> okay so yes. that's so that's evil number one evil number two yeah. is critiquing uh christian drosten now a lot of people don't know who he is but he essentially wrote the the paper on which this entire pcr fraud is based um yes. and it was and it was peer-reviewed in what less than a day and it normally takes yes. months it wasn't just period less than a day it was period and published and handled and like it, it's like submission and then the editor needs to find reviewers the reviewers uh, need to accept when does that happen it, when like, does that like, when does that happen in science so usually when i get a paper uh it takes me one or two or three weeks to find reviews well even longer sometimes because usually they reject it like oh i'm i'm a lazy ass Mm. <laughs> I don't want to read this shit. So you have to, you probably have to contact five or six to find one. And but you also always need two or three reviewers. So you probably contact between ten and twenty to get your reviewers together. It takes a while. One, two, three, four, five weeks, up to three months. This happened within this one day. Okay. Then these re reviewers have to read the publication and write feedback. It's like half a page, one page of writing feedback. It's not done within hours. It's done within one, two, three, four days if they're really fast. But it usually takes uh, takes one or two weeks if they do it every day a little bit. If they do it uh, thoroughly, um, then the author gets feedback. It never is accepted right away. Usually, you have major revisions. Is uh, the most usual thing is reject. Okay. Then, if you're lucky, you have major revisions. You have to change a lot, and then you have minor revisions. It's like maybe one percent of of the authors receive minor revisions and immediately accept as like 
I've never seen this happening. Never in my life. Okay, I'm still young, but I've never seen it happening. Uh, so what happened? It obviously happened in this case, but it doesn't matter. Imagine it's accepted right away. Then uh, this paper goes to the typesetter. The typesetter has to put everything into the format of the journal. He sends back queries to to the to the editors. Oh, is this is this um, citation correct? Can you please check this? Can you check your um, affiliation? So it's probably between ten and thirty queries they have to they have to they have to answer. You know, then after these are answered, the typesetter puts it into the format of the journal. Then it gets published. Okay, that's how it goes. And all these steps can't be done within twenty four hours because there's also also a night where people are sleeping. Then we're talking about twelve hours. We talk about one day all of this happening. It's impossible. <laughs> it happened probably the first time in history. Um, yeah, and as I said, the next day, Marion Copeman's the co-author, was in this WHO committee making it the gold standard. I know why it's happening. I mean, like, um, back in the times, it was like, okay, if you feel sick, stay at home, you know? If you can still walk, still go to class. Like, that's what they said. If you feel sick, stay at home. It was a very, it was a very conservative uh, approach. But okay, let's say, if you feel sick at home. So... All of this, what's happening, is all only happening because of the lie about asymptomatic transmission. There is nothing like asymptomatic transmission. It doesn't exist. But to make this existing, you need a test. The best for this is a test that guarantees that you have many false positive um, results like that supports this legend of asymptomatic transmission. Um, in the publication I wrote with uh, also Wouter Aukema, we, we showed by applying this Bayes theorem, it's like kind of like the, um, it's, it's, it's some equation, you know, um, that in the Netherlands, between 60-90% of the test results um, were um, false positives. So um, instead, of, um, instead of resolving one, one variable, like in Pythagoras, we were like solving three unknowns and by applying this base theorem and it's it's quite interesting that we could, could could have shown like look at all those false positives and only by um making this pcr test gold standard and running it with high ct values we actually um ended up with all these positive results and many of these positive results were like pe people like hey i feel healthy but i'm sick but it doesn't you're not sick whenever you're healthy you're not sick whenever you feel healthy. You're only sick whenever you lay oh, in sick. bed and you can't move anymore. Then you're sick. If you have the sneeze, you're not sick. You have yeah. a cold, but you're ill whenever you're laying in bed and you're like really like, oh, I can't move. I feel really bad today. Then that's when you're sick. No, you but know when you're sick. Yeah, you know, you know when you're sick. Yeah, you know when but you're no, sick. But no, you're, 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 okay. And what's happened then? This is what, what they did was like, Hey, everybody needs to protect himself from asymptomatics by wearing a mask. Protect yourself because, from I healthy mean, people. Exactly. This is psyop. And I mean, like, this is the best tool for social conditioning. It's, it's, it's nuts. People are socially conditioned, like, oh, everybody could be sick. Everybody needs to wear a mask. But why do you need to wear a mask for my mask to work? I mean, I can tell you masks don't work at all probably zero probably they have adverse effects i mean if you look into the recent publications on masks there's no single one that proves that masks work if you if you check the um the very nice comparison charts online um that show 
in US states where they're wearing masks and others that don't. Like I think it was even North Dakota, South Dakota, one had a mask mandate, the other one didn't. No difference in cases. So masks don't do anything. They only cause that you actually inhale fungus, that you inhale bacteria. Um, when Whenever you touch the mask and you wear it again, it's, it's, it's very bad for your health. But they tell us, hey, wear a mask. And I understand why, because they want us to wear a mask, though. So the whole world thinks, oh, look, there's still something dangerous out there. And they prevent people from speaking up because they are like a muzzle. And all of this is, is like, to me, it's like, it's a, it's a web of facts that put together just to make this whole, to have this whole thing, um, to have this whole narrative um, still in place. Um, so it starts from the asymptomatic lie. It goes via the PCR test. As I said, the test is the past. And then they want to solve it with the masks. And of course, nowadays they say, hey, the vaccine is the, um, the elixir, which, which, which actually solves everything. And I Which mean, not, when we look at the also, data from, from Israel, it's just... It just uh, and now suddenly there's a surge in HIV around the world. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be the next story. I don't, I don't want to go that deep in the rabbit hole, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid that another uh, conspiracy theory, uh, theory might come true. I mean, mm. everything I said one year ago, uh, everything came true. <laughs> I don't want to predict anything else because mm. I'm afraid it might come true. Um, Simon... Has yeah, has science become a cult? It depends. Um, it depends on on the domain. So when I look into agro technology, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, if you look into climate, I think so. If you look into virology, oh my gosh, that's. Uh, that, that, I, I even think it's like Omerta, you know, kind of kind of mafiosi, or all uh, hanging out together and I don't know. I think virology is, is, is a dangerous field. Um, if you look into social science, oh my gosh, I mean, gender science, uh, gender studies, etc. Oh my gosh, God beware. Um, but I think other, other things just like um, chemistry, physics, mathematics, to the degree that mathematics is actually a science, biology, I think it's, it's, mm. it's, it's 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 usually fine. So the the normal natural sciences are actually are usually it, fine. It sounds like what you're saying is the uh, the genres that don't deal with perhaps observational evidence could fall yeah. prey to 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 cult like yeah. behavior. I mean, climate is all about modeling. Virology is very much about modeling. Um, modeling. I mean, I'm 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 a modeler myself. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think during my PhD, I have two modeling papers. And I always was asking myself, "Hey, how is this even science?" But okay, you know, I was doing this. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't questioning it too much these days because I was, I was able to um, define the parameters myself for the publication. So I had, I need some uh, parameter justifications. Like, hey, I take these parameters, I put them to the model, I have the output. Hey, look, this is the output. But nobody actually checks whether it's true because you know an experiment needs to be repeatable. So whenever you run an experiment, let's say I, I run a plant growth experiment and it needs to be repeatable. So I need to repeat it. So when, whenever I have an outcome and I repeat it for, I repeat it 10 times, at least it should be like say 100 times, it should be 95%, 95 times the same, the same result. So I think in the, in the area we are, we're looking at to now and the, all these COVID modeling and the doomsday predictions, this is not science at all. It's fear mongering. 
just nothing to do with science. And what scares me is all that the physicists <laughs> are suddenly in the front line of the media. So mainstream media in Europe always says like, oh, look, this physicist, this urban planner made this model. Look, it's going to be crazy. We must lock everybody in who's not vaccinated. And they keep on doing it. I mean, they, the predictions are almost always wrong, like super wrong, not, not even close to, to correct. And they keep on doing it. They keep on, um, they keep on giving these people a platform because fear is what, yeah, without fear, this, um, this pandemic won't probably won't continue. It would stop right away without fear, without mass, without the tests, we would be living a normal life again. Uh, Carrie Mullis, as you know, invented PCR. And I remember in, in an interview that he did, I think in the nineties already, he said, there are too many scientists. <laughs> true, true. Most likely true. I mean, there are too many scientists who have conflicts of interest, mm. who mainly get money from NGOs and the industry itself. So I think you have to take it with a grain of salt, especially when they get money from NGOs. The NGOs we all know, you know. Um, I mean, there's the Wellcome Trust, Bill Gates Foundation, etc. They have all their own agenda mm. and their finance. Um, Scientists and these scientists, I mean, it doesn't mean that, that, they, that they're being told you need to publish this and that, but the scientists know what this NGO wants to hear. And I think this is, this is, a, this is a bias, a big bias, if, which is already happening before the study started. How do you push back against, basically that's what I'm asking, how do you push back against some of the propaganda? I think you need to make science super transparent, super transparent. And I think that it should be prohibited that industry and NGOs pay scientists. They should be super independent. They should be part of the, I don't know, uh, national budget should be allocated to science. And then you get scientists working on topics rationally, as rational as possible. Of course, it's never, pos it's never possible to be 100% rational because everybody has an own opinion, you know. I have an opinion and, and most likely the out outcome of my science or it shouldn't be, but of course, there's always a specific trend that's that's uh, um, that's obvious regarding of what your background is. So my background is, is liberal, left liberal, etc. So if I if I were a social scientist, it were, you know, I would never be a social scientist. If I were a social scientist, and I had to, let's say, look into extremism right-wing extremism okay let's say before the crisis okay now i would be biased again before the crisis i would i would i would be prejudiced and I'd probably the outcome would be would be let's say colored as we as we say um but it shouldn't be i mean every scientist should you should put an eye of course you should you should set up a hypothesis and test this hypothesis in the most transparent way and also analyze the data um unbiased uh, in, in a non-biased way so you should be you should be taking the data looking at the data in a neutral way and then um, write your 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 discussion and conclusion but this is not what's happening nowadays so that we can see it for example um with these lancet publication that was that was calling uh for covid zero zero covid 
and you even had Drosten and uh, and other shills uh, signing this publication, say, look, we need this, we need to eradicate this virus. But how can virologists say that that a common cold virus um, can be removed from from this planet? It can't be erased. It's it's there. It will always be there. But he signed it anyways, and now he's saying like, oh, I never did that. But I mean, like, okay. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's it's just it's just super corrupt, unfortunately, and I'm really fighting for a science that um, that is allowed to criticize things such as what we see right now, COVID, such as climate change. I mean, there's climate change, of course, but I mean, like, is it is that climate change as the modelers tell us? I mean, it's just a model, just a it's just a model. Is it gonna it's gonna happen? Shouldn't our focus be on reforestation? Shouldn't it be on yes. on um, keeping biodiversity? Shouldn't it be on reducing waste? And what we mm. see nowadays, then we have the Greta girl who's like, "Hey, wear your mask." But like, I think how much percent of the of the plastic waste in the in the oceans is already masks? Five, ten percent, or even more. Mm. So I mean, like, what they're doing is the opposite of what they're telling. And I think if you're a real scientist, you want to make the world a better place. You don't want to you don't want to come up with doomsday day scenarios, etc., just to make people afraid and and deprive them of their freedoms. Nothing, absolutely nothing, in the corporate media has has said anything about actually health. Everything has been about staying inside, mm-hmm. avoiding people, avoiding the sunshine, and getting an injection, and that's it. So I always tell people, hey, if you want to know about health, ask your grandma. So, you know, what does the grandma tell? Go outside. After you had a meal, take 1,000 steps, you know. And also eat fermented foods. Sleep at hours per night. It's just like it's just like what grandma told us. That's health. That's health. Eat fish no, once a week. No, Even my, my, my Catholic, my Catholic that's grandma. Misin- eat that's misinformation, Simon. No, we don't do misinformation here. <laughs> Oh, Twitter would ban me for this, but like that's why I mean I mean I'm not religious, but the Bible says eat fish once a week every Friday, and it makes sense. You need you need to eat fish once a week to get your omega three uh, um, index uh, to a correct state, to a good state. That's why you need to eat fish once a week. And there are so many things that were normal in the last centuries, even until 2020, that everybody did, like, go to the gym, join a sports club, eat healthy food. And what happened now? Wear a mask. Oh, the gyms, well, we need to close them. It's super dangerous. Don't be in gyms. Oh, don't go play football or, like, soccer, how the US Americans say, with your friends. It can't be. Oh, my gosh, that's dangerous. As of the big transmission. They say, oh, oh, uh, restaurants. Oh, you can't go to restaurants if you're not vaccinated. And people, you know, they order fast food instead. They can, I mean... People, I think, uh, I don't know. I think I read a publication that 20% of the people got more bees, or people got 20% more bees, like that, 20% more bees than before the um, pandemic. This is something we, we should think about. So how is it possible that there is this dangerous virus and people actually get more get, get sicker? <laughs> and yeah, it's. I keep on telling people, hey, guys, whenever you want to be a real re- rebel, you know, grow your own food. Use your balcony, use your backyard, use a community garden, grow your own food, be a, rebe- be a rebel, harvest your own, re- your own water, do whatever you, you can just to live healthy. That's the best thing you can do right now. So I got into permaculture here because when I, when I moved here, I got myself land, some hectares with uh, water sources, a river, 
man, houses, cottages. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice piece of land it's in the middle of the mountains. It's very hard to get there. You need a four-wheel drive. Um, but yeah, so what I'm having there is chicken. So it's best to have one or two eggs every morning for the choline and for important B vitamins. Um, I'm eating fresh vegetables every day that I grow there. So I, I built myself, or like I let someone build a greenhouse for herself. So I have 50 square meter greenhouse. I'm now setting up a, a tomato greenhouse as well. So I'm, I'm just living off my, um, uh, my vegetables there. My neighbors are hunters, so uh, they got the boar, so the wild the wild pigs, which 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 live in the in the rainforest, so they hunt them. Um, the neighbor down the the mountain, he has he has um, cattle. So I'm trying to be as healthy as possible. I make my own kombucha. I I made my own fermented foods. Everything I can do, you know, just to live a healthy life. I I do sports every day. I work outside for two hours at least per day. Because sitting in front of the computer, I mean, it's fine. I mean, like, you know, trolling here and there, using social media, working, writing articles is fun. But you, I think it's important to go outside, especially when the sun shines. And that's what I'm doing, enjoying life also, you know. Even uh, I can have a beer now and then because I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I didn't get sick. I didn't get ill for more than 10 years. So I'm a super healthy individual. When everybody around me gets, gets ill, I don't. Because I know my vitamin D levels are above 60 nanogram per milliliters. I have a very, very, very good omega-3 index. And there's nothing that can, that can actually hit me. And if so, I will most likely survive. Right now, getting off the control grid is one of the most important things I think as many people as possible can do. Which is exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going a step further. So as I said, I have my own water sources. So I'm independent from municipal water. And also, you know, they add chlorine, etc. That's not what you want to drink. And um, I'm currently um, constructing a small um, water power plant. It's just like 1000 watts, one kilowatt, but it's enough. And I have solar panels. So I'm also getting off electricity grid because you, you never know what's happening. Um, I just want to make sure that... Uh, my fridge keeps on working because fridge is super important because the actually is the the fridge is the invention that makes all of us older uh, before there was the fridge i think uh, the life expectation was 30 years less because uh, the fridge prevents the food which is super important so for me the most important thing is of, co of course to have a working fridge um yeah and of course it, uh, i have i have pumps um, to pump up uh, water from my from my sources to my water tanks, electricity is also always needed. Be it for my computer or my router, you know. <laughs> so I think it's it's important. Also, whenever it rains here, um, the we have uh, yeah, the electricity usually crashes. Uh, tell me a little bit about the sustainability. I mean, is what you're doing sustainable? <sighs> I mean, it depends on who you talk to. I, mean, I think solar panels are not sustainable. Mm. Shame on me. <laughs> but I still, I still like them, so I'm, I'm using them. And I think, uh, yeah, I also use. I'm having glass fiber, plastic ta water tanks. It's not sustainable, if you ask. Depends on who you ask. But uh, on the other hand, I'm the main resource I use is the sun and my own water um, to grow my own, own food. So I don't have a. 
I think the, my ecological footprint is very small because uh, I don't eat um, avocados from Chile. Okay, Chile, Brazil, it's, it's not like eating avocados from Chile from when you're, whenever you're in Europe. Um, but I'm eating my own avocados, you know. So I hardly have to do any groceries. Whenever I do groceries, I just go there, grab a can of beer and leave. So there's actually nothing I need to buy. I go to the local butcher because they make amazing meat, you know. But so it's the local butcher. It's 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 the beer, and the rest I, I have I have on site. I make my own sourdough, make my own bread, everything I make myself. Okay, I, I buy flour because I don't I don't have wheat on my on my land because I think it's I could have, but it's a pain in the ass just like you know to be, to buy a mill and it's super expensive. It does sound quite difficult because a lot of people live in the city. Yeah. 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 That's that's why I say there are community gardens. There are in every city, and I mean. If there aren't, there will be a demand for community gardens, and there you can grow. You can harvest your own rainwater. You can mm-hmm. grow your own food, and I mean, if you if you do permaculture in a very smart way, if you create your own terra preta like I do, so I have my own, I create my own terra preta with my charcoal, with it, chicken poop, etc., and people can do it on a on just several square meters of land. Um, if you have a family of four. 30, 40 square meters of a permacultural garden are enough to feed the family with vegetables. So there is everybody should get into a club like this. And the, the nice thing yeah. is community gardens usually um, are communities. Whenever, whenever you are in trouble, so whenever you lack of something, they support you. you know, you have, they have a totally different mindset than the Vogue people um, in, in cities. So I think it's always good to either... Um, have something at the countryside, I mean, if it's possible financially, or at least um, become a member of a community garden. It's not expensive mm. at all. Okay, so for those who, who might want to get started uh, with the kinds of things that you're doing, what would you recommend? Um, using DuckDuckGo and typing permaculture and even permaculture small scale. There are nice videos on YouTube. Um, there are nice books. And there are also great groups online. I don't know. Uh, I'm not into social media, but I know there's there are groups online. Uh, I want to say I saw a group on Reddit, but I don't recommend Reddit. <laughs> so I think it's the worst social media ever. But I mean, like, uh, to, to have a read, it's, it's fine. Just inform yourself. But there are very good books about permaculture and about Terra Preta and about everything. I mean, it's, it's so multidisciplinary. Mm. You, never, you, you, you never stop learning. It's always a continu- uh, continuous studying of improving stuff, improving the soil. I mean, it's soil science is so complex. I mean, it's super. It's so much fun to understand um, your climate zone, your soil, etc. How to how to improve it, and once you once you figured it out, you will um, yeah you will receive the harvest literally. What vegetables do you think are are critical? If you could give me like your top five for somebody who's just starting out. So in the Netherlands, I put um, I would put wheat to number one, um, marijuana, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but here in Brazil, I really I really enjoy tomatoes. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really enjoy tomatoes here um, because I love tomatoes. I have blue tomatoes, black tomatoes, yellow, orange, all the colors of the rainbow, and peppers. Mm. And have lots of different kinds of kale and cabbages, 
eggplants of all colors. So there are nice, so what I tell people, there are seed banks. There's a seed bank in, I think, in Russia, in Volgograd. And there's one in Germany, Gattersleben. They're called IPK Gattersleben, just to speak it out like you would. And you can just order seeds from there. So it's, it used to be for free. You could, you could just order a thousand seeds and it's tended to you for free and that would probably make a big loss. And now you have to pay, I think it's one euro per, per package of seeds. And you can just get seeds there from the 18th or 19th or 20th century. So they're really very old seeds. And you can just, I think they have hundreds of thousands of seeds there. You can just request. And that's what I did. So I was, I was, I was, I was just requesting seeds. I was putting them to the soil, and uh, yeah, well, I had like, it, eggplants of this size. I was like, this doesn't make sense. But they are very nice eggplants, which are white, white mm. snow white eggplants. I love them. I keep on growing them. So it's just like grow whatever you love. But I think kale and cabbage is very good because you can you can make kimchi, you can make uh, sauerkraut. It's very healthy for the gut and very important for the microbiome. Why is why is kombucha important? I, I tell you, if you if you drink my kombucha, you'd love it. Even my my parents made kombucha and they gave it to my aunt, and she was like, she was like smelling. She's like, oh, it smells like shit, and she was she couldn't drink it. <laughs> and I was bringing my kombucha because I I do a third fermentation with passion fruit because I love passion fruit. So I, I grow my own passion fruit here, but of course in Europe I was buying it and I was doing my my third fermentation with passion fruit and I'm giving it to my to my family, and they were like. This is so different. This tastes like lemonade. And yeah, it depends on how you how you brew it. And uh, and yeah, to come back to your question, why it's important because it contains so many beneficial bacteria which are good for your biome, microbiome in the gut. So um, drink kombucha, eating fermented foods, kind uh, of. Um, hang on, Simon. Attack. Simon. Yeah. Stop. Yes, please. What do you mean by fermented foods? It sounds awful. I mean, sauerkraut's fermented, right? Okay, but you so can't eat you fermented can... meat. <laughs> hey, wait, of course you can. Of course. I mean, go to Iceland. They eat fermented shark. Ooh. They they bury they bury shark into the into the into the ground. It's a bit, I think, a bit hotter ground because uh, they have mm. geothermal uh, activities. And I think they they dig it out after one or two years. I, I don't know. I don't know the details. And the smell is heavy. So a friend mm. of mine, she forgot it in her purse. She she had it in a package, pasta page, she forgot it in her purse. And <laughs> <laughs> one day later, she was taking it out and she couldn't get the, the smell out of the purse. She was washing it, I think, 10 times. Then she threw the purse away. It's very heavy. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it tastes like kind of like cheese, but more like it's, it tastes like, yeah, I, I don't recommend, but you can ferment um, fish like the Swedish people have this this uh, fish in the can fermented, awful. But if you if you ferment um, if you from um, I mean if you ferment uh, sauerkraut etc. It's 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 fine. You just multiply lactobacilli and if you just you just do it for three or four days. It's not that extreme. It's not like it's not like several months or one year. It's uh, it's super fine and uh, and it's actually. Have you ever had good sauerkraut or kimchi? Uh, yes, but I'm not a. I mean I'll. I choose to avoid it if I can. I'm, I don't like the taste of sauerkraut. And, and kimchi? I don't know. Um, okay. I I can't remember because it's not a it's not a term that I hear often. So it's possible that I've eaten it, but I I can't remember. It's it's lovely. You should you should try you should try. But even I mean, 
Even if you don't like fermented foods, you should at least have it now and then. Simon, you mentioned earlier that uh, eating fish once a week is very healthy. Um, what about people who are plant-based diets? They have to they have to um, consume algae oil, algae omega three oil, no problem at all. Three uh, three milliliters per day, and they're fine. I mean that's that's what I recommend to people who are plant-based because usually they they um, they think that um, linseed oil or mm. whatever is sufficient in uh, omega-3 but you need uh, you need DHA and EPA omega-3 fatty acids and it's not part of linseed oil so just buy algae oil it's it's uh, has a neutral taste mm. one one tablespoon per day and you're 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 fine and everything that you've said in this conversation has revolved around um uh, organic food you haven't mentioned uh, supplementation i haven't but i supplement heavily um especially i used to when i was still living in the city in the netherlands um nowadays i mean as i have eggs from my uh, from my land you know the, the chicken i don't know how many kinds of weeds they they eat per day but their eggs are super healthy as well. But I, I supplement with omega-3 for sure. Um, and also vitamin D. Um, because I think the, the sun here in Brazil is, is quite heavy. If I go outside for, for 30 minutes, after 35 minutes, I have a sunburn. Um, I, I'm taking vitamin 3, but not that much anymore. I think I'm now at 3,000 per day. And I used to be at 10,000 per day. Um, and I take magnesium because it's, it's insufficient usually in the, in the diet. I take zinc and I take K2. Um, I'm talking about this in my Telegram channel a lot and tell why you should take it. I mean, uh, yeah, but of course there's, um, it's always, it's always an individual choice, but, um, there are some minerals, um, some nutrients which are not sufficient in our Western diet. So supplementation is usually necessary to remain healthy. How much of what you're saying is bro science and how much of it is real science? I don't know. I consider everything real science. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but people might come up, oh, he just wants to sell his vitamin D. Um, but, you know, there's, I also accept science isn't, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, this is, I mean, science is when I say something and someone else says, oh, I don't agree. And he has his own sources. So science is usually a dialogue. It's a healthy dialogue. It's a vivid dialogue between people who m might not share an opinion to 100%. But what we see nowadays, of course, is that whenever I say something about COVID or, or you, or I mean, you're not a science per se, but let's say other colleagues like Martin Kuldorf, et cetera, then people like Drosten come up and say, they say, look, he's a pseudoscientist. And I think these kind of words are very bold. They're very heavy. And they are unscientific, because if you're a real scientist, you you um, you actually um, speak out for a round table that everybody can sit at the table, everybody can talk, and you you probably find consensus, or you don't, because you can also agree to disagree. That's also science. You say, hey, I have I have my data, I have this data, I believe this data more, because I believe this author, for example. And the other side, like, no, but look, if you take it from this angle. This is my view. And then you say, okay, 
let's let's agree to disagree here, but let's all accept the other's um, opinion. And that's not what hap- what's happening anymore. People can say, "Hey, vitamin D, what the fuck?" Like Simon, shut up. I'm like, yeah. I mean, if you can if you can show me some proof that you think it doesn't work, mm-hmm. it's fine. We can talk about this, but not like not like calling me pseudoscientist or a high priest of vitamin D. I mean, I, it's kind of funny. I, I I now use this term for myself. I love it, but it's it's unscientific. Uh, you've spoken about some some things that are are good and healthy and recommended. What are some other things you don't recommend in terms of eating or or consumption? Sugar, say? sugar, okay. sugar, sugar is number one. Uh, okay, but hold on. Um, what do you what do you mean by sugar? Basically, anything that's sweet. Um, no, no, not everything. You can, um, for example, zutouts. What's zutouts in uh, uh, in English? <laughs> licorice, 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 zutouts. It's it's Afrikaans, my friend. Licorice, um, licorice is super healthy and it's super sweet. I think it's ten times sweeter than sugar, or is hundred times? I don't know. I think it was ten times sweeter than sugar, and it's super healthy. I mean, it's sweet, but it's not unhealthy. And there are also there are also honey is also not per se unhealthy. So. But it depends, of course. Um, if you cook honey, you you kill all the the good uh, um, microbes in there and the enzymes, and then it becomes unhealthy again. But uh, just avoid any kind of sugars. And sugars have many names: maltose, glucose, sucrose, etc. Just avoid them. Um, but there's always a but, you know. If you, for example, go to the gym and you work out for one hour afterwards, you want to you want to take in, you want some sugar intake. Just drink some juice, etc. Um, but reduce your sugar to, I think, 8 till 15 grams per day. That would be the best because more than that is poisonous. And also trans fats of any kind, omega-3 fatty acids. So there are many vegetable oils, soy oil, corn oil. Oh, my gosh, avoid all that stuff. Don't cook with it. Cook with olive oil. People say, hey, olive oil, cooking. Oh, wait, no, no. People, don't, people usually say, don't do it. Say like, oh, they return to trans fats if you heat them too much. But that's like that junk science. I think it was based on an experiment um, when people fried olive oil for more than 10 hours. <laughs> Nobody does this, you know, in a normal life. You fry things for some minutes and the olive oil or virgin, extra virgin olive oil is stable enough to, um, to maintain its structure. So it's okay to cook with olive oil. It's okay to cook with uh, butter. It's okay to cook with uh, pork belly fat. Um, so there are many things you can use, but try not to use processed vegetable oils. That's number two. And number three, don't uh, don't sit on the couch the whole day. Go outside, do some sports, go go for a swim, etc. So that's that's important. And 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 socialize with people. Socialize, socialize, of course, of mm. course. Socialize, socializing is so important. People who don't socialize get sick because it it increases the cortisol levels in your body. So socializing decreases it. So cortisol causes inflammations within your body. Also, not the coolest thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd recommend socializing without masks because I think facial impressions are also part of socializing. Uh, but, well, I mean, masks are unnatural anyway. Yeah, I mean, like uh, nowhere in history people were wearing face diapers. I think in in Gitmo they used mm. to wear them, forced. You know, but otherwise, in nineteen eighteen during the Spanish flu, they used to wear them to afterwards figuring out, oh shit, big mistake, didn't make, didn't just made things worse. And nowadays they, they want us to wear them again. I mean, they started with uh, 
oh yeah, just like a uh, short excursion back to mass. They started with a, hey, um, like, just use a mask, just use a t-shirt or like, you know, use lin or whatever. Just just create a mask. And then, and then they said, oh, we need a surgeon mask, no FFP2, etc. Um, but none of this works. Um, because if you imagine a door, you know, um, I mean, it's a big space. It's just like the space in the mask between the, um, yeah, the space. And if you have a door and you have a virus, the virus is, is this size. If you look at the look at the door, so the virus also passed the mask. There's no way that the virus that the mask will stop the virus to pass. I mean, there's no single way. And still, the people are supposed to wear masks. And even if you now look at Drosten again and Fauci, both of them were saying, "Hey, masks don't work." They always said this, and suddenly, oh, you need to wear a mask. And Drosten was again asked by some committee of the German parliament, hey, is there scientific proof that masks work? That was in September 21. And so like, no, there is no evidence. Too late to say again in the media, wear a mask, it's important, you know? When he had to uh, make a statement under oath, he was saying the scientific thing and in the media he says the opposite. So the same with Fauci. And yeah, I, I, I just tell you, masks don't work. And I don't know why they keep on confusing us. Alcohol and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol is uh, is bad it's bad for you it's really bad for you sorry there is no way around it is there no i love my biz i love my biz but i mean if you reduce it to two once or twice a week you know but you're also you're also including all alcohol into the same um, bracket. I mean, people have been drinking alcohol for as long as people have been around, but you do get different types of alcohol. I mean, you get sweet wines and you get dry wines and you get whiskey and you get beer and they all got different yeah. concentrations of things in them. That doesn't matter. I mean, red wine, um, of course, is healthy because of the flavonoids, because of other ingredients or healthier. Uh, but to be honest, alcohol is, is very unhealthy. It's very bad for the gut, gut health as well. But I mean, like, we need to enjoy life. I mean, everybody takes substances to some degree. People, let's say I don't, they probably eat sweet chocolate. So um, everybody needs to take substances in order to feel better or to some degree, you know, there's, there are always addictions. Everybody is addicted to something. There's social media, there's porn, there's chocolate, there's alcohol, there are drugs, uh, cocaine, whatever, whatever you want to think of um attention also and i think if 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 you for example say hey i want to enjoy life and i want to just relax during the weekend i want to i want to drink my whiskey or two or three or four i mean go ahead go ahead but try to remain healthy on other fronts um of course if you combine if you combine all this if you combine alcohol with cocaine cigarettes uh and some some mental um some mental um things just like social media and porn and then you just put it all together in one day <laughs> it, it can't be healthy so you just have to pick stuff that you want to addictions that you that you chose for and and um yeah the dose of the toxins so um it depends on how much you dose it what and, about coffee i mean i like my beard uh, that's difficult I mean, I, I read publications and some mm. said coffee is super healthy and others said, like, don't, don't do it. 
But I think coffee is rather healthy if you don't do it all the time. Because I think coffee, caffeine isn't um, isn't super, super healthy for uh, within the metabolism. I was studying it a bit and they said like avoid um, consuming caffeine every day. But I don't think that coffee is super unhealthy. But what publications told me is that green tea is better. So if you want to substitute now and then a coffee for green tea, just go ahead. But uh, I'm as I don't drink coffee myself, I find the taste disgusting. And probably now people um, unfollow me. Um, <laughs> I don't know too much about coffee. But of course, I read books, publications, and I, I saw this coming by. Um, yeah, but uh, people have to inform themselves. Just go to Google Scholar, type mm. in coffee, health healthy and just read the papers just read, read the publications and just um inform yourself simon in front of you there's a crystal ball what do you see many people being locked up and i mean like the corrupt scientists and the corrupt global elite this would be a nice to to bring justice back to people and freedom back to people but I, what do we learn today freedom is a right-wing term isn't it yes okay. yes but i think this is important that justice comes back and that people who want to deprive us from freedoms and uh, need to need to face justice well as it turns out you and i are now right wing yeah obviously far right <laughs> far right actually <laughs> far right yes <laughs> i made the u-turn yes <laughs> Where can people find more about you? So um, on on Twitter, I hope I will get my account back. I'm now in the second round. Um, I, I sue Twitter because they uh, they um, blocked me for saying that viruses usually become weaker. So they said misinformation. So they delete my 45k account. And I hope I will have it back until March. So that's Godek at Al. Um, otherwise, it's just Godek G O D D E K on Telegram. And it's also Godek at all on a getter. So that's where you can find me. Simon Godek, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining it's me been a pleasure in, too. in the trenches. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.